Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. There's a word we use in church and around church. It's, it's one of those churchy words. You probably don't use this word in your everyday language, but anointing. The word is anointing. You probably don't walk through the house when your children have been well and tell them that you're going to anoint them with blessing. Maybe you do, but it's probably not normal language that we use when every day you don't walk through the grocery store or through the marketplace using the word anointing. What does it mean to anoint something? It means to place favor on it. It means to set it aside and to consecrate it for a specific use and a specific purpose. And so we, we hear the word anointing and we, we see the results of people who have anointing on their life. And, and oftentimes we say, man, that person is so anointed because we see the Spirit of God moving on them or we see that God answers and responds with signs, wonders, and miracles when they when they do ministry or whatever's happening. But anointing isn't the doing of ministry. Anointing is something that happens in that person's life well before ministry ever comes about. Anointing is really a process. I want to introduce us to the process of anointing today. And my hope and my prayer is that each one of us would either have fresh anointing in our life, if you've experienced that setting aside for God's purpose before, or maybe you allow God to give you a new anointing today in your life. Anointing comes from one place and one place only. Anointing comes from God. There's no program. We can't set up the anointing class and teach you how to be anointed. You can't go to seminary and get you a degree in theology of anointing. Nor are there special prayers that we can pray. You can't come forward and we open our, a book of prayers and pray just a special prayer of anointing and then instantaneously and in that moment you have the anointing of God on your life. But in fact, pastors, elders, ministers can't give you an anointing. Sometimes, oftentimes we talk about, well, what about... Elijah and Elisha. Elisha wanted a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And we say, well, well he, he got the mantle of Elijah. Not give, no, he did, he did, the double anointing didn't come from getting the mantle. The double anointing came through the process of anointing. The mantle, receiving the mantle was just a confirmation of God's work in his life. And when we're anointed, there are confirmations in our lives. As much as our parents have prayed for us, our parents can't pray anointing on our lives. We have to go through the process of anointing. And we understand as, as believers that the Old Testament is examples to us and it lays out blueprints or templates or a process that we can then draw analogies out of and we can see how that the anointing process worked on the old tabernacle, and we can see how the anointing process then translates and works on the new tabernacle. 
You see, the old tabernacle was simply skins of animals and wooden stakes and poles and gold and fine tapestries and handcrafted furnishings that were put together and used for the service of God. But today we, we understand that we no longer go just to a tabernacle and, and that's the only place the presence of God is, is housed in a small chamber in the very back called the Holies of Holies. But today the presence of God is everywhere and, and the Bible tells us that we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. This flesh and its structure and all of its instruments are used for the glory of God. God lives inside of us by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So this anointing process is not just the anointing of a person, but it's an anointing of a temple. If you followed through with our reading in Leviticus chapter 8, you see that the first thing that was anointed was not Aaron. Nor was it his sons, nor was it their garments. But the first thing God told Moses to anoint in the process of anointings was the tabernacle. They anointed the structure. They anointed the instruments. They anointed the furnishings. And so for us to have anointing, first we must realize it's less about us and more about our being. Anointing is a complete consecration of our entirety to God. It's consecrating more to God than just our intentions. It's consecrating more to God than just our heart. But we must consecrate to God the entire tabernacle. So here's the process. First, they anointed the tabernacle and all of its tools and instruments. Then he anointed Aaron. The Bible says he poured the oil upon Aaron's head. And as we read in Psalms, we, it tells us about how beautiful it is to see the anointing oil run down upon the beard and even down upon the body and down the legs and all the way to the hem of the bottom of the priest's garment. Then they offered a sacrifice. A bullock was offered for a sin offering. And then they offered a ram which was offered for a burnt offering. Then they offered another ram. There's a process here, man. This ram was offered as a consecration offering. This is the reality today of anointing. We often see and are glamorized by the result of anointing, but every anointing that comes into our life is the result of a sacrifice. Anointings are the result of a sacrifice. It's anointing is the result of a consecration, something that we say, Lord, I am going to set this aside for you. And then God takes that thing, removes it from our life, and he replaces in us his anointing. He'll use a hurt from our past and replace the hurt and the pain with healing. And then he'll give us the opportunity to use our healing process to help somebody else. That's how anointing works. He'll take the burden and the, the struggles that we have dealt with with being sinners. We are all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We all need the grace and the mercy of God in our lives. 
And every one of us has experienced the grace of God in our lives. And so we now have an anointing to share with somebody. This is what it means to go from broken to being made whole. This is what it goes from being in bondage to sin to being liberated by the power and the spirit of God. So there's the offering of sacrifice, the offering of sin, the burnt offering, the consecration offering. And then the word of the Lord to Moses was that he would take the blood from the consecration offering. He would anoint the right ear, the right thumb, the right big toe of Aaron and his sons. And he would use this consecration offering to bestow authority upon Moses and his children. They didn't use the consecrated ram. The parts that weren't burnt in the offering. And they would use it as a, a wave offering before God. The wave offering was the free will offering to God. The wave offering was the, well, Lord, we'll take whatever's left over in our lives and we'll give it to you. The extra to God. There's always sacrifice with anointing. Then after all of this had been done, they again took the anointing oil, and this time also the blood from the consecration offering, and here they sprinkled it on Aaron, Aaron's clothes, Aaron's sons, who were going to be the priests, their clothes, and they were anointed and sanctified, set aside, consecrated. And then God told them that they would remain in the tabernacle, or they were to remain in the tabernacle for seven days as an act of separation and consecration to God. So this is where we're headed today with the anointing process. Anointing is more than just an application of oil. Every avenue, every level, every advancement, and anointing requires a sacrifice. There are some who say, well, I've been filled with the Spirit of God. I know what the power and the presence of God feels like. And it's awesome to feel the, the anointed presence of God upon us. But having the anointed oil, the Spirit of God on us or flowing through us, is not anointing in and of itself. Because along with the oil, there must be the blood of consecration. So this is what it means to be anointed. This is the process in the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about that process and how it impacts us in our lives as we move towards anointing. The interesting thing about anointing is that the Bible says the anointing oil ran down in Psalms 133, verse 2. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. The Hebrew language there, the, the words that go with ran down, the Hebrew word yared, Y-A-R-A-D, or yarad. It literally means, catch this, this is the revelatory moment of the day. It literally means to move from top to bottom. How appropriate 
for it to be used in the context of ran down. But it also means deeper in its meaning, it means to be humbled or to lay prostrate, to take oneself from being in an upright position to being in a down low position. So now we begin to see how the wording of the psalmist was so beautiful when he says that the oil ran down upon Aaron. It moved on Aaron. It was a humbling experience in Aaron's life. It was an anointing experience that took Aaron from being who he was and turned him into who God wanted him to be. There was a humbling that takes place in the life of an individual who has the anointing of God on them. Maybe it's a rhetorical question and you don't really have to raise your hand or answer out loud today. Has anybody here ever been through a trial? Anybody ever been through a struggle? You ever been through something and you're like, man, it just feels like I'm getting beat up every day from morning till sunset. Feels like the enemy's beating up on me. It feels like life is heavy on me. Feels like things are just struggling right now. Things are difficult right now. And it is in these moments of difficulty that many times people will say, you know what, I just give up. I'm just throwing my hands in the air. I'm just going to drift through life. It's too hard to swim against the current. It's, it's too difficult to walk against the wind. It's, it's too hard to, to push forward any longer. I'm just going to surrender and give up to what's going on around me. Does it really matter anyway? I want to tell you, the grit that says take one more step. And the determination that gets down in somebody that says, I'm going to push against the winds that are blowing in my face. That's the process of anointing. It's the process that says, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm not going to stop serving God because the world has problems. If the world having problems was caused to quit serving God, everybody would stop. If having a bad Monday was a reason to give up on God, then we'd all have a Monday somewhere along the line where we'd quit serving God. So this life cannot become the driver that determines whether we will or we won't serve God, whether we will push forward or we won't push forward. We must understand through every trial and struggle and hard time that we go through, we are being perfected. And out of that struggle, become, we become more strong. And in that strength, we have new and fresh anointing. Maybe your experience in life has been different than mine, but I would dare say it probably hasn't been. Most of my struggles in life have been my inability to surrender and humble to what God's trying to do. Many times I'll have a struggle in life and I say, you know what, I think I'm going to handle it this way. I think I'm going to work it out this way. I think this is the best method of approach. And I get about halfway down the road and I realize I just walked out of the, out of the house which was protecting me from the thunderstorm and now I'm standing in the middle of the street dealing with it. Many times the advice and the admonition from God is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. 
Be still and know that I am God. Wait upon the Lord and renew your strength. Oftentimes, God isn't wanting us to do anything. Sometimes he's testing us to see if we'll allow him to do it and we'll not do anything. And it's through this process, these struggles, these trials, these hard times, these these tribulations even at times in our lives, even if it's a day or a season of our life, it's in this time that God is perfecting us and God is humbling us to surrender to Him. I don't know if you've ever watched or maybe you've done it, the process of tumbling stones. We did it in school. It was an experiment where you take a handful of rocks and you put them in a little barrel and it has a little engine on it and you throw some water in there and some sand and you put it on the little machine and it just rotates and the rocks tumble inside. You let it sit there for a week or two and you come back and you take it out and these dingy looking, the rocks that you began with, began with were dingy and sharp edges on them and a couple weeks later, you open it up and you dump the water out and you begin to rinse all the sand and the sediment out of the barrel and you begin to hold these rocks and you're like, what an amazing transformation. This rock, which was razor sharp edges and pointed jagged ends on it is now smooth and it's almost like someone's put clear coat over it. It's just shiny and it's beautiful. This is what the struggle in the trial and the hard time that life does to us. It wears off our rough edges. It helps us to surrender to the process that God wants to work in our life. And here's the deal. The process of anointing is that the oil begins at the top and God pours an oil on us, His Spirit on us, and as His Spirit begins to flow down our body, everywhere it touches us requires consecration. Everywhere His anointing touches our lives, it requires us to make a sacrifice or a separation unto God. I'm going to take just a couple minutes talk about the 10 ways that anointing impacts our lives and how it flows from the top down to the bottom. First, anointing is poured up on the head. The first thing the anointing of God touches or impacts in our lives is the way we think. Did you know if you think negative thoughts all the time, you actually train your mind to default to the negative? They've scientifically proven that people who always find the negative in the later years of their life, they default to that because they literally train their mind, their mental capacity to always go negative. Now the good news. With practice and intentionality of always thinking about the good things, you can retrain your mind 
to not always find the negative. You can retrain your mind to start looking for the positive. It's not easy. When your default is negative, you have to say, hold on a second. Do I want to go there or is there really something positive in this to find? When God's anointing begins to flow upon us, he changes the way that we think about stuff. Let me give you an example. When you didn't serve God and before you got in church, what did you think about church? Probably wasn't real positive. But when you came to church and you began to feel the presence of God in your life and you were impacted by His Spirit and His anointing began to touch your mind, the way you thought about church changed. It went from crazy to a craving. It went from ridiculous to something I've got to be a part of. It went from optional to necessary. We begin to change the way we think about it because God's anointing is pouring it upon our head. He changes the way that we think. Then the oil begins to flow down over our face and the remainder of our head. And as it begins to, to flow over us, it covers our eyes and it covers our ears and it covers our nose and it begins to cover our mouth. And these represent four of the senses in our body. Our sight, our hearing, our sense of smell, and our sense of taste. God's anointing begins to flow over us. These are the four inputs of the body that God begins to touch and change. There are some things that we used to have a taste for that we no longer have a taste for when God's spirit begins to move upon us. There are some things that we thirst after that we no longer thirst after because we're not seeking that to be fulfilling in our lives anymore. But now we're thirsting after the Spirit of God. Our, our mouth is now reaching out for something different than what it used to reach for. Amen? There's some things that used to go into our ears that used to contaminate the body. It would contaminate our spirit. It would contaminate our thought process. But when the anointing of God and the spirit of God begins to flow over our ears, it changes what we want to hear. Now instead of hearing things that bring us down or cause fear or cause doubt or cause uncertainty or, or cause anger in our lives, now we begin to hear things that are encouraging. We begin to hear things that are uplifting. We begin to hear things that glorify God. Because we now have an anointing that's flowing over our ears. The things that our eyes consume. They say the eye is the window of the soul. If that's the case, then whatever you're looking at is, has a direct impact on your soul. And when our eyes get anointed, we begin to look at things different. We have a different perspective, but not just perspective, but the objects of which we look at are different. We visit different websites than we used to visit before. We visit different places of commerce than we used to visit before. Our eyes see things differently. Our perspective changes. 
Rather than seeing a person that's down and out, we see somebody that needs the help and the salvation of God. Rather than looking at people with eyes of judgment, we now see them through the lenses that God would have, eyes of grace and mercy. His anointing changes the way we see things. His anointing even impacts the way we smell. What? The Song of Solomon tells us in the allegory of two lovers that the bride knew that the bridegroom had been nearby because she smelt his fragrance. You read the Song of Solomon. We have an ability when we are anointed in our sense of smell, we can tell when God's around. We can tell when his presence is around. Maybe it's not a physical smell. Maybe you can't literally smell God. I don't know what God smells like. There's not a scratch and sniff sticker that says scratch to smell God. But you know when his presence is near. You can sense it. The analogy is you can smell it. You, there's a fragrance, a sweet fragrance that's, that's in the air when God's around, when his presence is around. It's just something that draws you in to him. Sure beats some of the fragrances that were in the air before we knew him. The anointing continues to flow from our head. It begins to impact our neck. It impacts the direction that we are headed. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? Maybe I'm the only one that's done this. But have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you've been watching them while you're walking? And you know mentally that the door is generally this direction. But without your eyes focused on where you're walking, your alignment with the door doesn't always match up. And so while you're talking to them, you find the part that's not the door, the wall. Because you're looking one way and walking a different direction. And, and when God gets a hold of us and his anointing gets upon us, he begins to set direction in our life. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. And so we allow him to be the guide and we walk where he's walking. His footsteps become our footsteps. His direction becomes our direction. The Bible tells us he has an expected end for us. He's already laid out a destiny for us, a destination for us. And so if I'll let him direct my life through his anointing, then I won't have to worry about walking in the wall. I can just walk through gates. Amen. So his anointing is upon our neck. It's anointing that gives us direction. But, but for that to work, I have to surrender my willingness to allow him to lead me. Because with every place that God's anointing touches us, there is a sacrifice. We can't say, yeah, Lord, lead me, but I'm going to walk and look this direction. 
Because it won't be very long when our paths diverge and we'll lose track of where he is. But be assured he's never lost track of where you are. And when you cry out to him, he'll come and find you and bring you back and set you back on his path. But there has to be a humility in us that says, all right, Lord, lead me and I will follow. As his anointing continues to flow down upon us, it begins to cover our shoulders. And the anointing of God on our shoulders says we change what we're willing to carry in life. Our burdens and our passions change in life. Some of the things that we carry in life are not meant for us to carry. Some of the burdens that we pick up in life are not meant for us to pick up and to carry. This is why he says, come unto me, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rather than carrying the weights of the world and the worries of tomorrow on our shoulders, rather than being distressed about the things that are out of our control, God says, no, I'll place a new burden on your heart. I'll place a new passion on your shoulders. Rather than caring about the things of this life, how about I give you a burden to see somebody healed? How about I give you a burden to see somebody saved? How about I give you a burden to teach somebody a Bible study? How about I give you a passion to see addicts recovered? How about I give you a passion to see broken homes put back together? How about I change the burden that you carry from being all of the stuff of this life to it being the things of the life to come? But the only way that anointing is impactful to us is when we first go to an altar and we unload what's on our shoulders. And we make a sacrifice that says, all right, God, I'm not going to carry this load anymore. Give me your load. Give me your burden. Did you know we were created to carry a burden? He says, come unto me, all you that are burdened heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. He didn't promise to remove the burdens He promised to exchange a heavy burden for a lighter burden. The reward of the life's burden is disappointment. But the reward of God's burden is excitement and growth of the kingdom of God. If I worry about these things in this life and they come to pass, then I've just proven the negative. But if I'm concerned about the things of God and I pursue the things of God and they come to pass, I've accomplished the positive. I want to see somebody pray through and get the Holy Ghost. I have a passion for it. I have a burden for it. Well, you tell me how that is going to turn out. It's going to turn out great. I can't stay on all of these for five minutes. I have ten of them. As the anointing oil keeps flowing down our body, it's flowing off of our shoulders, it's covering our chest, it's impacting our heart. The anointing of God will impact your ability and your willingness to love. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by your love, one for another. 
This isn't a cheap shot. I don't want to take cheap shots today. But Christians, we got to love one another. We need God's anointing to get all over our heart. We need God's anointing to get all over our heart. Well, I can't go to church because sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so did such and such back in 1947. Do you love your brother? John didn't mince words when he talked about loving our brother. He says, if you can't love your brother who you can see, it's impossible for you to love God whom you cannot see. Wow, that's heavy. He says, we're a liar if we say we love God and don't love our brother. I need the anointing of God because some people are hard to love. And I need God's anointing on my heart to help me love them, to help me care for them, to help me be concerned about their well-being, to help me love them. Because if I don't love my brother, then there's no way I can love the world. And there's no way the world wants to be a part of me if I don't love people like me. Hey, come to church with me. We hate each other. That don't sell. Come to church with me. We sit around and talk bad about each other. Hey, come to church with me. We are a gossip fest, man. We'll tell you everybody's dirt. No. We need an anointing to flow up on our heart. Oh, come to church with me. Let me tell you what God did in my brother's life this week. How God blessed him and how God prospered him. Oh, he's got some problems, but he's working through it. He had this one problem. Let me tell you what God did to, to change it around in his life. God transforms us by the power of his anointing. And everywhere his anointing touches requires a humility and a sacrifice. Oh, I need his anointing in my heart. The anointing oil of God flows down our arms and begins to impact our hands and the things that we touch and what we feel changes. Still with me? When we would get burdened and life would get heavy, we'd have a bad week, we'd say five o'clock somewhere and our hands would reach for it. And it was our escape. But to some people that escape becomes an addiction. And that addiction begins to take hold and control over their life. But something happens when the anointing gets on your hands. You no longer run to escapes, but you run to the source. You say, you know what, Lord, I've been stressed out. I need a word from you. Lord, I've been stressed out. I need your word to speak life to me. Lord, I've been burdened this week. I need a word of encouragement. And you'll, instead of grabbing the bottle, maybe you'll grab the Bible. And you'll open that Bible up. And you'll find a word that says, be of good joy. Be encouraged. Be uplifted. I am with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. When the anointing gets on our hands, we reach and grab a hold of different things. Maybe someone who's yet to experience the anointing of God on their hands, have hands that are quick to, to reach and touch in anger. Maybe frustration is demonstrated through the actions of their hands. 
But let me tell you today, when the power of God touches your hands, they're no longer meant for harm, but they're meant for good. Rather than reaching out in hands of anger or frustration, your hands begin to move as acts of compassion and mercy. Rather than reaching out to touch somebody and to, to let them know your feeling, you reach out to them rather to pray for them and to let them know God's feeling. Something happens when God's anointing gets on our hands. Our willingness to fight and to brawl diminishes. and We're more willing to wrap our hands around somebody and give them a hug and love them than we are to fight them. We need the love of God, the anointing of God to be upon our hands. What do anointed hands do? Anointed hands touch those who are sick and praise a prayer of faith that healing could be released into them. What do the hands of anointed hands do? Anointed hands reach down into a, a ditch where a Samaritan crawls down in there and finds a Jewish person completely different from who he is, a different belief system, different ethnicity. Do you realize the Jew in the ditch was a bigot against the Samaritan that was trying to help him? Didn't matter. Anointed hands reach into the wounded, bind up their wounds. The anointed hand reaches into their own resources and begins to apply it to the broken and the hurting. Begins to bind up their wounds, begins to pour in the ointment of healing to them. Binds them up, sets them on their own beast. Says, I'll use my best resources and take you to a place where you can find healing. This is what happens when the hands get anointed. Can I tell you today, there's a reason the heart gets anointed before the hands get anointed. Because you can fake the anointing in your hands, but you can't fake the anointing in your heart. And a heart that's truly anointed will have hands that are anointed. Next. The anointing of God will flow through our body and begin to touch us and transform us. The things that we ingest and begin to digest will change. I don't mean to be graphic, that's not my intent today, but did you know your body has the ability to take what's input into it and separate what's good and what's bad? It removes the bad and uses the good. When we get an anointing inside of us in our belly, your belly shall become like a stream of living water. When the Holy Ghost is flowing through us, and we begin to ingest things, the Holy Spirit will begin to work on us, then it will separate, hey, that's bad, get rid of that. Hey, this is good, let's use that. You say, but I live in a sinful world. You're right. And you can't, you can't control everything your eyes see. And you can't control everything your ears hear. But if you'll let it get down in your belly where there's an anointing, that anointing will say, hey, that was garbage. Get rid of it. Hey, that was valuable. That's, that's good. Hold on to that. 
We need an anointing down deep inside of us that says, I'm going to let go of some stuff and I'm going to grab a hold of other things. The anointing of God changes where we reside, where we would sit, where we would rest. Psalms chapter 1 tells us we should not sit in the seat of the scornful. No, we should not sit in high places. We should not elevate ourselves in the high places of judgment. But no, we would sit in the lowly seat of of humility in the presence of God. We'll let God exalt whom He chooses to exalt in whatever moment in time He chooses to exalt them. But we'll sit in a seat of humility and we'll allow the anointing of God to work through us. Not that we would become anybody, but that He through us would become everything to everybody we encounter. Next, the anointing begins to move upon our legs. Your legs help you with balance and flexibility. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. That's good at church. That's good at work even some days. That's good at home some days. We need God's anointing to be upon our legs so we can stand up strong when we're supposed to and we know when to be flexible. God, give us discernment. Give us wisdom. Give us an understanding. Hey, this is a battle I'm going to stand and face. I'm not going to... How do, we war? How do we win the war? Our weapons are not carnal. We don't fight the devil fist to fist. We just worship. I'm going to stand here and worship. And as I'm worshiping, the wind can blow, but I'm going to stand right here and worship. I'm not going to take a step backwards and worship. I'm going to stand right here and worship God. And as you stand in your place with your legs anointed by God and you begin to worship God, deliverance comes. Deliverance comes. And next, the anointing finally gets from the head down the beard all the way to the hem of the robe. It begins to touch the feet and the anointed feet of the people of God walk where God directs us to walk. We do not have feet that rush to wrath or rush to anger. We do not have feet that rush to mischief, but we have feet rather that rush to altars and feet that rush to those in need. We have feet that rush to ministry and rush to do the things of God because anointed feet walk in holy places. you're walking through a hospital to go pray for a sick person, you're walking in a holy place. When you walk down the hallways of a nursing home to visit an elderly person, your feet are walking in holy places. When you walk down the corridor of the city jail or the county jail or the state penitentiary and you're going to talk to somebody about the goodness of God, you're walking in holy places. What makes it a holy place? Because you're there for a holy cause. 
and everywhere your footsteps, God's given you dominion because you have anointed feet. I'm coming to a close. Let's go to Exodus chapter 30 and verse 32. Everywhere that God's anointing touches us requires that we make a consecration and a sacrifice to him. This was an interesting passage I ran across in my study and I began to pray and I said, Lord, what? Exodus 30 and 32. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured. This is in Exodus. This is when the... uh, Apothecary, that's the biblical word, the person that mixed the herbs and spices and oil together. When the recipe for the anointing oil was given to the apothecary, this is one of the commandments that came with the anointing oil. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall be any other like it after the composition of it. It is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. Buried inside this idea that you shouldn't reproduce it for yourself because you can't reproduce the anointing of God's Spirit on our own. There is no imitation to the Holy Ghost. There's only one true Holy Ghost. And that's the Holy Ghost that comes from God. That's the Spirit of God that moves upon us. And it's evidenced in our life by the obedience of the gospel message. We die in repentance. We're buried in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And He fills us with His Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues. That is when the anointing oil is begun to pour upon our lives. And it continues to pour upon us. But there's something peculiar mixed in the middle of the idea that you can't reproduce it or fake it. It can't be poured upon the flesh directly. you know our flesh cannot come in straight contact with the anointing of God the anointing of God has to be applied to us through a sacrifice the anointing of God cannot be poured directly on your hands and directly on your feet no the anointing of God must first start by being poured upon your turban or your mitre or whatever your headdress is and then as it pours off of that it begins to roll down your body and yes it comes in contact with your flesh but after it's been in contact with your headdress God's telling us you can't just run and shove your hand in the oil and grab you a handful of it You can't just run and traipse through the oil and trample through it with your feet and think that there's going to be an anointing that comes on your life. No, the anointing oil of God must be applied to us through the anointing process. It has to start at the top and it has to flow downward over our body. And every single place His anointing touches us, it requires that I and that you and each one of us make a sacrifice in that area of our life. It requires that we make new and fresh consecration 
to God in that area of our life. Lord, there's some things I'll not listen to any longer. Lord, there's some things I'll not see anymore. Lord, there's some things I'll not speak any longer. Lord, there's some places I'll no longer go. Lord, there's some things I'll not let live in my heart anymore. There's some things I won't touch. There's some things I'll separate in my body. There's some things that make me unstable that I'll remove from my life. Lord, there's some footsteps I'll not walk in any longer. Lord, your anointing flows from the top to the bottom. And as his anointing flows over you, his blessing comes into your life. And you'll then begin to see the result of God's anointing. You'll begin to experience the power of God. You'll begin to experience the blessing of God in your life. I wonder today, what would it take to convince somebody, Lord, I want an anointing in my life. I want a fresh anointing in my life. Lord, we live in a world that's dark. We live in a world that's going into chaos. We live in a world that it appears its time is closer to its end than it's ever been before. The signs of this world wrapping up are more and more every day. The signs of the return of Christ are more every day. I can't live in this world being carnally minded. I need an anointing on my mind. Oh, I wonder today, would you stand with me? If you need to talk to God, would you come forward? The altar is already open. Would you come and talk to the Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Lord, anoint my mind, anoint my eyes. Wherever you are in your relationship with God, wherever you are in that process, wherever the anointing oil is flowing in your life today, there's a call from the throne of God. Come nearer unto me. Come closer unto me. Let my oil flow over you. And let my oil consecrate you and sanctify you and separate you. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.